Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome back to another episode of the Active Marketer Podcast, the podcast that's all about sales funnels and marketing automation. I'm your host, Barry Moore, and we have another great episode for you today. My guest this week is sales funnel guru rock star Todd Brown. If you're not familiar with Todd Brown, you can find him over at marketingfunnelautomation.com. He is the thought leader. He is an industry leader. He is the sales funnel guy that sales funnel guys go to. He's always innovating. He's always coming up with new techniques, new tactics, uh, and new strategies. So it was a real treat to be able to talk to him. And he uh, he is just really, really generous with his time sharing value bomb after value bomb. So this episode actually went quite long. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it up into two parts uh, because there is a bit of a distinction in the middle where we talk about one thing for a little while and then we move on to another subject. So in part one of this episode, we're going to talk about levels of awareness in your customer base. So how can you design your funnel? How can you design your copy based on the level of awareness of your particular prospect? And then in part two next week, we're going to move on to the one big thing. And uh, we'll talk about that and what that is next week. But before we get into that, of course, the shameless social proof segment where I read out your reviews from iTunes and Stitcher. This week, we got a five-star review from David I.B. in the United States. He says, I've been listening to the podcast for a little over a month. I've listened to almost every episode at this point, and just about every single one from the interviews to Tactical 20s have been useful and inspiring. I'm new to the marketing automation world and specifically to Active Campaign as a tool and just picked up Barry's Zero to Hero Active Campaign training course. So I'm very excited to dig into that and start implementing on my growing list. Thanks, Loads, Barry. Uh, There's also a PS there. It says, PS, I found the interview with Dane Maxwell, which is episode 29. Uh, Dane Maxwell from the foundation, extremely powerful. Absolutely loved it. So thanks to both Dane and Barry for that little gem. Well, thank you very much, David. I do appreciate that review. Five stars review in iTunes is always great. It helps push us up in the rankings and helps other people find this great content. So if you could do me a favor, if you really enjoy the podcast, head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a review and I'll read it out on a future show. One other thing I'd like to mention uh, just before we get into the episode is a new plugin that uh, uh, a mate of mine, Lewis, has come up with. For Active Campaign. So, if you're an Active Campaign user and that's your marketing automation platform of choice, head over to automationplugins.com and check out the G Sync Active Campaign uh, extension for Chrome and Gmail. It's pretty groovy. It allowed the extension allows you to basically interrogate your Active Campaign account from within Chrome or from within Gmail. So, if you get an email from somebody, you can open up the little sidebar of the extension there and you can see what lists they're on, what tags they've got, what automations may be running for them. Uh, you can check out all the information that's inside Active Campaign without ever leaving Gmail or without ever leaving Chrome. So, pretty groovy, pretty good uh, little extension for Chrome and Gmail to help save you time from jumping in and out of Active Campaign to check out your customers when they email you. Again, you can find that over at automation.com. Plugins.com. Check it out. It's well worth your time to have a look. 
All right, so let's get into this week's episode with Todd Brown. But I would like to welcome to the show Todd Brown. Todd Brown in the house. He is the sales funnel guy. Sales funnel guys go to to, to sort their stuff out. Todd, welcome. Thank you, man. I'm super excited to be here with you, dude. Yeah, super excited to have you on. You know, I follow a lot of your stuff online, and you're always an innovator when it comes to sales funnels and stuff. So really excited to have you on. So I think most of most of uh, the listeners probably have a sales funnel or two, or are just getting started with their sales funnel journey. So I thought we'd talk about the process, not so much the tools, but the process on how you go about creating a successful funnel. So you know, what's the first bit? You're sitting there, you've got your new tool, ten minute funnels or click funnels or whatever it is, and you've got the blank piece of paper in front of you. How do you start? Yeah. First, let me say this, man, that I think, you know, number one, I think you put the tool aside because the tool is kind of the, you know, for everybody, the tool is secondary. The reality is that if you look at, you know, if you lined up a dozen of the most successful direct response marketers on the internet and you look at their set of tools, you're going to find a, a different array of tools being used by potentially all 12. You know, you're not going to find the same tool set uh, from one marketer to the next at all. Some marketers use something like ClickFunnels, some use, you know, lead pages, Optimize Press, there's Kajabi, there's, my gosh, there's, you know, Unbounce, there's so many different page creation applications just like there are so many different email autoresponder services or CRMs. Some use Infusionsoft, some use MorrowPost, some use, you know, Entreport, Aweber. And the point of all that is just the tool is secondary. And so the first thing that I would tell everybody is put the tool aside. The next thing is let's talk about kind of what happens at the very beginning of the process you know, before you even write a single word of copy, before you, you know, write your, uh, craft your headline, you know, start engineering your offer, decide on what the model is. Let's talk about, um, one of the first things that needs to be done, assuming that you know, assuming that you have a product, right? That you're asking me the question based on somebody has a product, they know, you know, they have a product, they know it's a product that the market wants, that the market, you know, that they, they've chosen wisely the market that they're going into based on the size that these people, you know, congregate together, that they've got money, they spend money on, on this particular thing. And now really just correct me if I'm mistaken, Mary, but you're asking me like, what do you do? Okay. Got the product. Now what? Yeah, exactly that. Uh, that'd be an interesting side question is what if what if you do even, don't even have a product? But let's assume that we have something that we want to sell. So whatever that happens to be, product, service, um, whatever. So we're yeah. ready to go. I've been selling it on the side or I've been selling it to people I know. And now I want to want to take my show onto the Internet, basically. Yep. So the very first thing that um, that I'm going to do is I'm going to assess the, um, my prospects marketplace sophistication, you know, and marketplace sophistication is something that, uh, was really popularized by Eugene Schwartz, one of the greatest copywriters, one of the greatest direct response marketing minds of, uh, of all time. Uh, he talks about it in his book, breakthrough advertising marketplace sophistication really kind of, it, it tells us what, it is that um, the market, our prospects have seen before, have heard before, have been promised before, have been told before uh, by competitors. What claims competitors have made before, and 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 whatnot to the market. And and so, in essence, what it tells us is, it tells us what the market will respond to and 
what they won't respond to. And there are really, without getting into it, because it's kind of tough to, 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 um, to really grasp it without some visual, but there are five different levels of marketplace sophistication. At the very beginning, at the very first level, the very first level of marketplace sophistication is when you have a product that your primary promise or your primary claim, your primary statement of benefit has never been made before to the market, meaning that the claim that you are making, the the, the promise that you are making has never been made to them before, right? Well, that's a, an extreme rarity today where you're able to make a, a promise that's never been made before. When when you have a market that is that that and uh, you have a product where the promise has never been made before that's a level 1 marketplace uh sophistication all you have to do in your marketing is simply make the promise make the claim the example that i give all the time when i do this teaching is the very first fat burner that was released to the to the market the very first time that was that was released all they had to say was take this pill and you'll lose weight yeah. just the straight promise the straight right but then over time as more and more competitors came along and introduced their own fat burners and were saying the same thing the market no longer responds to that type of basic promise and so then it goes to level two. At level two, we see an expansion of the promise, right? Where it's now take this pill and lose 10 pounds, take this pill and lose 20 pounds, take this pill and lose 15 inches, right? Mm-hmm. And then o- over time, same thing happens. And, and at that point, you know, at that point, you can't simply enlarge the claim anymore because if you enlarge the claim, the market doesn't believe it. It's not credible. It's not believable. It's not true. And so they stop responding. Like just like today, if you and I came out with a fat burner and we tried to release it to the market and we said, take this pill and you'll lose a hundred pounds, no one's going to believe it. Yeah. Or whatever. No one's going to believe it. Right. It's just not, not believable. And so point is that prospects go through the, this evolution of their quote unquote sophistication as they are exposed to more and more claims and, and, and advertisements and what they once used to respond to, they, in many cases, no longer respond to those same things. That's like today, if we came out, you and I partnered and we came out with our own fat burner um, and we designed the best product with the best uh, packaging, the best design, the, the best formulation. We had doctors, we had the best you know website look format wise, but our marketing promise was take this pill and you'll lose weight. We would get clobbered. Right. Because the market today is too sophisticated for that. And so the very first thing that you got to do is you got to understand what is the marketplace sophistication level for your your prospects. And ultimately, it's really nothing more than understanding what it is that they've seen already from competitors, from other individuals that um, that they believe are offering a a competing solution. And the thing that I'm looking for, I'm really looking for two things or what your audience is looking for, should be looking for is two things. One, right. I'm looking to get an understanding of where are they at? Meaning, are they at level two? Are they at level three? Is this a level one market based on the promise that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be making, or, or I'm considering making to them. Where are they at? The second thing that I'm looking for is I'm looking to know what it is that competitors have said, how they've presented their product, their service to the market, 
what's been the the unique mechanism, like the unique hook, the unique way that they deliver on the promise, the the outcome, et cetera. Because ultimately, the most important thing at the at the foundation of a successful funnel is that you are saying something new and different. The 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 hook, the the idea, the angle that you're using to put to to get your market's attention and put your message out in front of them needs to be new and different, needs to be unique, right? And so I want to know what has already been said to them. What have they already heard? Because that right off the bat tells me what I cannot say. Yeah. Right. And so it immediately begins to exclude certain things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to close off on that. Just because you've opened that loop, and I'm in my head, I really want to close it. So the the five levels uh, never been seen before. Then there's an expansion. So what are the other three? Yeah. So the third one is my favorite. It's where we. So let me let me take a step back and okay. just say that. Right. So level two is the expansion of the promise. Right. Like we said, take this pill, lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds. Problem is that right at some point, expanding the claim, blowing up the claim no longer is believable or credible. Right. Uh, sadly, what I will tell you, if you if and if you look at this after our time together today, you'll see it in 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 so many markets, especially the Internet marketing marketing community. Um is that so many marketers mistakenly think that the way to compete with competitors is to simply blow up the claim. And so they're stuck as a level two marketer when their their market has evolved in sophistication. And they're, you know, like in other words, they think, oh, everybody else is saying how to get a thousand Facebook fans. I'm gonna say how to get 10,000 yeah, Facebook yeah. fans. Oh, everybody's saying 10,000, I'm gonna say a hundred thousand. And they think that simply making a bigger claim and a bigger promise is the answer. It's not. It is absolutely not the answer any any um anymore when you've got a market that evolves to the next level of sophistication. At the next level is when we see the introduction of the unique mechanism. The unique mechanism is, it's the unique piece, part, component, process, system, you know, of your product or service that actually delivers the result. So it's, you know, you've seen this a dozen times in infomercials. Anytime in the infomercial, when they say the secret is in the X, the X is the unique mechanism, right? These knives never need to be sharpened. They never, right? Because the secret is in the German steel. Well, it's the German steel is the unique mechanism that delivers the benefit of never having to sharpen the knives. And so, right, it's in your software, right? It's, it's, you, you have a software the, that gets people, you know, top rankings or something like that, let's say, right? Well, if we say, right, the secret is in the unique algorithm that discovers the hidden, you know, loopholes in competitors' websites and exploits it for top rankings, that's the unique mechanism. And the reason why it's so powerful is because it allows you to make the same or similar promise to what your competitors are making without expanding the claim beyond the level of believability or truth or credibility, but it gives prospects hope in your product, in your offer that maybe now this time with what you're offering, things are going to be different because of the unique mechanism, right? They're able to say, well, maybe it didn't work for me last time because my, the, the prior products didn't have the unique algorithm. Yeah. They didn't have the steel. They had, right. Exactly. Right. 
or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. And so that's level three, level four, right? Like level four is where we see very similar to level two. We see the expansion of the unique mechanism. So now it becomes, you know, it's, it's the, you know, whatever, you know, iron forged, you know, or, you know, fire forged German steel or German, you know, aged, you know, decade aged German steel, or I, you know, I have no idea, but you get the point where now, right, there's a differentiator even with the unique mechanism. And you need that when, right, you need that when competitors are coming along and they're also offering German steel. Or, right, competitors now in the in the fat-burning arena, they're all offering Garcinia Cambodia or whatever, right? And so now the Gar- Garcinia once was a unique mechanism. Today, it's no longer a unique mechanism. But maybe if you've got pharmaceutical grade or Garcinia in, in double the dosage or cold-pressed Garcinia or Garcinia with a digestive enzyme, blah, 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 that coated becomes— in, Coated in German steel. There you go. Right. Right. Uh, uh, Made with a special algorithm that gets you top rankings uh, or whatever. And then the the, the fifth and final level is um, is when you no longer you, you stop talking about the product and you really are talking about the prospects experience like, you know, for the fat burners, it becomes, you know, tired of dieting, exercising, popping pills and never losing weight, you know, like that sort of thing. You're talking about the prospects experience. And so yeah, I want to look at the market and I want to look at competitors and I want to see, are they all operating at level two, right? Because I'm going to roll out with a unique mechanism and I'm going to smoke them, right? Or, right, are, are they rolling out with, are they at level three and they're rolling out a unique mechanism? Well, if so, what are the unique mechanisms that they're using? Because whatever they're using, I don't want to use or can't use, right? The beautiful thing is that, um, is that, especially for, let's say, information marketers, you can operate at level three uh, indefinitely and compete successfully because you can always reinvent the unique mechanism. See, the unique mechanism, without spending too much time on on this, the unique mechanism is really, in, in two out of three cases, it's a marketing invention, meaning that there are three ways to come up with a unique mechanism. One is your product or service legitimately has a unique mechanism meaning it has an ingredient, it has a, an aspect that it cannot be found in any other competing products, right? That's a legitimate, unique mechanism. Yep. But more often than not, that doesn't exist for most, most products. And that, that, you know, that might be some, there, there might be something there to be said about the products, but nevertheless, it's the reality of, of the majority of products. So there are two different ways that you can still uh, engineer a, um, a unique mechanism. The first is what um, what Claude Hopkins did many, many years ago with Schlitz beer, when he was taking a tour of their factory, he saw something going on across the, the, the manufacturing facility. And he said, what's going on over there? And they said, Oh, the guy said, Oh, whatever, you know, this is the legend goes. They, they said, Oh, that is where we sterilize all of our bottles or whatever. Right. And Claude Hopkins said, well, why the heck aren't you telling the market about this? Right. And the guy said, Oh, because every beer manufacturer does it. And Claude said, but nobody is talking about it, right? And so if if you talk about an aspect of your product or service that is not necessarily unique compared to your competitors' products or services, but it is unique in the minds of the prospects because nobody else is talking about it, 
that can be a unique mechanism, at least until a, a, another competitor comes along and um, begins talking about it. That was something that I used to teach chiropractors many, many moons ago um, when, I, when I had a, uh, a, a company that taught marketing and practice development for chiropractors how to do. Often, we had chiropractors that um, would put the, the name and model number of the x-ray machine that they were using in their practice in their marketing. Right. And they would say, I don't, why should I do that when, like, you know, probably two thirds of the chiropractors in my area use the same x ray machine? Right. And I said, well, because they're not talking about it. And by you talking about it, it immediately gives the prospect the perspective that there must be something different and better about yours, or else why would you mention it? Right. And so, right off the bat, the third way is the most kind of the most common way. And we see it all the time in the internet marketing space. And that is um, that is really by turning the ordinary into the extraordinary, and that's often done by giving a proprietary title or proprietary name to a uh, a, a generic or or known methodology. And so, a great example of that is uh, you know is what Ryan Dyson and Perry Belcher have done. Two very sharp entrepreneurs, marketers, great. Uh, great at what they do. Uh, so this is a, I'm not, this isn't a criticism. This is me tipping my hat to them, if anything. Uh, but you know, there was a point when they released their, you know, funnel creation methodology. The, the, the foundation of that funnel methodology was the tripwire offer, right? Yep. And right. The tripwire offer for those of you that aren't familiar with that is really, is really, um, nothing more than an ultra low price, low barrier of entry offer um, designed to make it extremely easy for a prospect to become a customer. Right? Is it is it new? Is it brand new? Is it you know? Is it a new thing uh, that Ryan and Perry um, invented? Um, no, not at all. It's been around for many, many, um, many years. But what they did do was they took the ordinary, just a low price, low low barrier of entry offer, and they re rebranded it, so to speak. They retitled it as a tripwire. And now that tripwire is, is part of the unique mechanism of their methodology. So when they first rolled that out, what a lot of marketers said was, uh, you know what, that's why my funnel hasn't worked up to this point, because it didn't have a tripwire. And maybe now, once I sign up and I pay for this thing or whatever, and I do use a tripwire, ah, that's why it's going to work now. Right, right. And so the, the unique mechanism becomes the thing that gives your prospects hope. Yeah, in that case, that's an interesting point. It, it wasn't like a, a new idea. They just kind of basically gave it a, dusted it off, gave it a brand name. I guess, so that people could hang their head on and they could easily identify with it. Is Absolutely. It is one of the, it's, it's, it's a tactic that you see uh, used um, all the time and, you know, all the time, you know, it's, it's rare that there is a new, that there really is a, 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 a truly new um, strategy or, or I should really say tactic. Um, most of the time, what you find is that there is a new name, a new title, or, or there's a slight twist on it and it's given, um, you know, it's assigned a title, you know, yeah. and that's the beauty is that it allows you to, to have a unique mechanism. It allows you to present and offer and talk about something different. Uh, it allows you to not market and sell the generic 
which is, you know, selling the generic or commodity is, is, is never a good thing anyway. But yeah, one of the more, more powerful tools for uh, the serious marketer. And it gets everybody else talking about your product. Because if you go on any internet marketing forums or anything, it's always a tripwire this and tripwire that. And so, you know, it's like turning your, your product into a verb almost. Yeah, it's funny too, because I, and I, again, this is, you know, I, I, I tip my hat to, uh, to Ryan, uh, and Perry for kind of indoctrinating the market to such an extent with the whole idea of a, of a tripwire, you know, where today people believe that, you know, the only successful front end customer acquisition offer is a tripwire and that everybody who's anybody in direct response uses a tripwire. Well, the, the reality is if we're really just being brutally honest, the reality is that that couldn't be further from the truth yeah. that most of the biggest marketers, whether it be, uh, my friend Jay Abraham or Rich Sheffrin, or, uh, look at Frank Kern, look at my company, look at Jeff Walker, Dan Kennedy, they don't use a tripwire, no. right? They don't start low. And so, it, you know, that's not to say that you can't start low. And that's not to say that there isn't a place for a low priced offer. But this idea that it's the only way to have an effective front end is just uh, not accurate. Fair enough. So to, to loop back there, so you, you go out into the marketplace, you see what the, the level of sophistication is for everyone who's currently there. And then, you know, what are your competitors doing? Is it really just as, so let's say everyone's at level two or level Three, is it really just as easy as going, right, okay, that's where the market is. I'm going to jump to DEFCON 4 and with my funnel. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. You know, I tend to migrate towards a level three message because, you know, you can always, you know, you, you, know, you can always... Uh, differentiate um, by introducing a, a, a new unique mechanism. But yes, it, it is like looking at where is everybody operating at. It, it, it does a lot of things. It tells you how easy it's going to be to do well in that arena or with the new offer. Like if everybody's at level two and you roll out with level three, you're going to, you're going to stand out. Your marketing message is going to stand out. And, and so it, it does a lot. But to answer your question, yes. If everybody's at level two, I'm going to level three. Fair enough. Wow, love talking to Todd. He's dropping value bombs left, right, and center. And if you want to find out more about him, you can head over to marketingfunnelautomation.com and check out all his stuff. He's got a great blog over there, lots of products if you want to get into the sales funnel space. And don't forget to come back next week for part two of the episode where he continues to share all his great knowledge about sales funnels with us. I really appreciate it. He's a really generous guy. Really knowledgeable guy, and I think you'll really love part two of the interview as well. And I would like to thank you, the listener, for stopping by. I know you got lots of choices to how to spend your time, so I really do appreciate that you're spending with us. We like to put out really valuable information for you guys, tailor it to exactly what you'd like to hear. So if you want to hear any subjects covered on the show, by all means, just send me an email at Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, at theactivemarketer.com, and we'll work it into the rotation. Or just stop by and leave us a comment in the show notes. Down below the show notes, you'll see the comment box there. Just leave us a comment about what you'd like to see and we'll work it in. And you can find all the show notes from this episode over at theactivemarketer.com forward slash Todd one. That's T-O-D-D -D and the number one for the first part of the interview. 
And if you'd like to check out our tagging guide to help you get started with tagging, head over to theactivemarketer.com. Check out the sidebar there and you will see our tagging guide. Download it for free. Tells you all about how you can get your tags and tagging sorted out in the marketing automation platform of your choice so that it doesn't become a giant mess that you've got to sort out later on. Have a plan before you start. That's the best way to get quick results. So we'll see you next week. In the meantime, get out there and design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.